Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everything you remember must mean something. So what does that thought mean? Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. So it's another episode where we're not in the same room as each other. I know. Do you want to describe where you are? Yes, I'm in my living room and the baby is asleep, so I'm not I'm not talking too loudly. Um, <laughs> and Rusty is on the sofa by me. So you're not going to do that's, any... That's the dog. Rusty yes, the dog. Rusty Scruff, yes. You're yeah. not going to do any shouting on this week's podcast then? I'm not, I was going to do a thing like in a bit where I was screaming, but I'm not going to anymore. Because <laughs> you don't want to wake the baby up. No, no. And it's his first and, birth. It's his first birthday tomorrow. Yes, it is. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, I think we're going to the zoo. Oh, I, have you looked at the weather forecast? Yeah, it's very clement. Oh, that, that's good because I, I took my son to the zoo again this weekend because he's gone oh, mad on animals i know i know i went two oh, right. consecutive weekends and wow. uh it was drizzly and it was actually quite depressing oh i think no, whatever it is day. on a nice day you see all the animals out and they're enjoying themselves mm, and you're thinking yeah, yeah. zoos aren't that bad after all and then you go on a drizzly day and they're just mm. sort of huddled in these oh, small gosh. spaces <laughs> looking depressed oh, and it's mm. it's kind of the reverse yeah, so yeah. so you're in your living room yes do you want to describe where you are Yes, I am in Salford, the mm. uh, twin city of Manchester. I mean, it's not twinned with Manchester in the same way as um, Leningrad was twinned with Manchester uh, <laughs> back, back in the day. I mean, right. They're, they're right next to each other. But people from Salford get very sort of, um, they take umbrage if you describe Salford as Manchester, but I just thought I'd better explain that for people who don't know. And I'm up here working for the BBC this week. And if you are a British person who pays your licence fee to the BBC, you will be glad to know that they are not spending it on lavish hotel rooms for the talent. (laughs) No. Man, this place is grim. Really, and it's not just that it's 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 grim. This place, it's like this bad room with a bad view. So I, you know, sort of checked in, dumped my suitcases down, looked out the window, and here's what I could see: I could see a car park, beyond which was quite a high brick wall, and beyond that was an office building called Magnetic House, which <laughs> right. is every bit as charming as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. 
And then beyond that, you can kind of hear the distant rumbling of the A56. But you've got a window. What more do you want? <laughs> I'm picturing a single bed, am I right? It's two single beds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, on, I'm on one of the two single beds at the okay. moment. Good, uh, cross-legged. I, I do wonder what that is, what it is about me when I walk in and the receptionist sees me, and obviously they're making decisions about which rooms to give to which people. Yeah. What is it about me that makes them think, oh, we'll give him a terrible room with a terrible view? <laughs> because on the other side of this hotel, there are yeah. some um, windows which look out onto the canal and across the quays, which is a sort of nice view in its way. I once stayed in a hotel room where it had a window and the view was out onto the reception, to the lobby. <laughs> Honestly, it was an internal window. All it did was look out onto the lobby. It's very bizarre. There's another hotel here in Manchester called the Britannia, which I've not been in in, I don't know, 25, 30 years or whatever. But they they used to have rooms um, which were in the middle of the building and they would have pretend windows. So they have curtains and then when you'd open them, there'd be like a really terrible painting of the New York skyline. So you'd probably get that room if you stayed there. Yeah, but what is <laughs> so, it about? I mean, I feel it's the same um, thing. Uh, back in the day when you would go, you'd have to check in at the desk in the airport. There's something about me. It's, it's the opposite of those people who get upgraded. There's mm. something about me that they see me and think, what is the worst possible seat? <laughs> Even if I'm the first person to check in if I got to the oh. airport three hours early. And I have to say, you know, now it's a lot better because you can go online. And you can change your seat. But even bearing that in mind, I still think the computer algorithm tends to give me a terrible seat and I need to change it. <laughs> even the computer knows. Yes, they're all, out to, get, the they're all out to get me. Oh, I'm sorry. This is terrible. Um, I'll tell you something else. Yeah. Uh, went down for the breakfast buffet this morning. From the buffet. And, you know, I, I don't want to sound snobby here. Yeah. But... but I looked at my fellow clientele and I have a strong sense that they are audience members for the Jeremy Kyle show. Because <laughs> that is filmed really close to here. Oh, and really? So it probably is there. Yeah, and that's not just me being snobby, you know. Yeah. You, you, I stay in hotels for work and blah, blah. And you get used to the type of person that you see. And, you know, maybe you see more people like that on a weekend. But on a, a Monday morning, which today is, I'm thinking there's something going on here. But I didn't, mm. I didn't want to follow them. I thought that would be creepy. It would be very creepy. I'm glad you resisted. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to tell you about is, so I got the train from London to Manchester yesterday. Mm-hmm. And at the station, I bumped into somebody I know and like. And it was, it was nice to see them because I've got about a good two or three minutes worth of enthusiastic conversation to give to this particular person. And you recognise them, well done. I, d- I know, I know. I mean, yeah. it was all going very well for me yeah. until mm. he mentioned that he was on the same train as I am, oh, going no. to the same destination. So I think, oh, oh, gosh. oh God! Ugh. So, and and he was travelling with somebody else I know and so don't know that well, but but like so. Yeah. So I said, oh, I've just got to go off uh, to Marks and Spencer's and get myself some veggie Percy's and. Uh, uh, for, for the for the journey and a newspaper, but mm. um, you know, have, have a good trip. And he says bye bye. So then, what I do is I, yeah. I you know, I, I retreat and I watch him from the distance. Yeah. And then w- when they announce which <laughs> platform our train is going from, I sort yeah. of follow them but hang back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and until we get alongside the carriage that I'm booked to travel in. Yeah. And once the only once they walk past the door of that carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I think okay, it's safe for me to get on? Because I was so worried that they were going to be in my carriage and they'd say, "Oh, come and sit with us." And then I would have had to make small talk. It was a Sunday, so there's engineering work going on. Oh. I would have had to make small talk for the best part of 3 hours. So so that's what I did. Well, luckily one of them has quite distinctive hair, so you can um you can sort of spot him from a distance. So as soon as they walk past the door, um of, of my carriage, I got onto that carriage, and then a, a terrible thing happened. Oh no, no! They then got on at the far end of that carriage. Oh no! So they just yes. got on the different end of it. Yes. So I sort of squatted oh. down in my seat. <laughs> but what I didn't realise was my end of the carriage was where the toilet was. Oh no! So there were a few occasions when they sort of walked past me, and we had the uh, awkward, "Oh hi, how you doing?" Um, although they didn't invite me to come and sit at their table, which I am feeling yeah. slightly aggrieved about, <laughs> even though it would have been hell on earth for me. But you're still justified in being annoyed. Yeah. Later, when you go for a walk, you can take the show with you so that you're not left with your thoughts, because we know what's going on there, and it's just it's it's quite scary. You should probably consult a doctor, or you should maybe get a dog and then walk with your dog or steal a dog, but just um, dogs can help you because they suck up your dangerous thoughts. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle. Yes. You've had the correspondence for this week's podcast redirected to your living room because you're in in your living room and it seemed easier than having it redirected to Salford. Uh, How's it looking looking this week? Uh, Yes, we have have correspondence. I almost said bulging then. Oh, that would have been lovely for listeners to the old radio show. I know, I know. But yes, Um, we do have some. Good. And and if you haven't yet shared your story, we'd love to hear from you. I will give you the email address at the end of this if you don't already know it. So uh, what have you got? Okay, the first one is from Distinguished Professor Jenna Nicholas. Having been socially inept and painfully introverted all my life, every single school report I ever received had the word quiet scrawled across it. (laughs) I got to 30 and had something of a little breakdown. My anxiety with just about everything in life and my general low mood had caused all the plates that I spent a lot of my energy to keep spinning to suddenly all crash. One thing that helped me slowly climb out of that trough of despair was walking. I started off slowly, but eventually was doing miles and miles, reconnecting with myself and generally being mindful. During one episode of post-hike elation, I thought it would be a great idea to book myself on a walking holiday. It would be a challenge, I told myself. Most of my friends were married and reproducing by this point, and I hadn't been on holiday in ages. Before I knew it, I was booked onto a solo traveller trip to Marrakesh in the Atlas Mountains. It didn't take long for the panic to set in, but I'd paid the money, so I wasn't not going. The trip was nice enough. There were 13 of us, all solo travellers, apart from one married couple from Switzerland who generally kept to themselves. We spent two nights exploring Marrakesh before transferring to a little Berber village high up in the foothills from where we would be setting off onto some challenging hikes. As part of a sustainable tourism scheme, the holiday company had paid for a hammam to be opened in the village where some local Berber women supplemented their household incomes, giving treatments to confused tourists. Hassan, our walking guide, explained that the hammam was basic and that the women only spoke Berber, so the pidgin French and few words of Arabic we knew between us were definitely not going to do us any good. The ladies were to go first and then the gents would be seen by male hammamists. Not quite sure what the noun for this particular job is. 
We arrived at a very small square building, which turned out to be two rooms. The first was like a school changing room, where an ancient looking lady signalled that we should get undressed by pulling at her own clothes. We looked at one another, unsure how undressed she meant. I was only in a vest and shorts anyway. It transpired that we were to strip her underwear. I was uncomfortable at this point, but never one to rock the boat did as I was told. She then indicated that we all had to take off our bras. What was going on? Surely this level of disrobing would be done in the privacy of the second room when we all had our treatment. No, this was not what happened at all. The memory still makes me cringe ever so often. We had assumed we were all going to take turns in the room, having the treatment whilst the other four waited in the changing room. The reality is that the five of us were marched into a windowless room, tiled from floor to ceiling like something from a low-budget horror film, wearing only our knickers and clutching (laughs) our chests as if our lives depended on it, to be greeted by two more women, who through a complicated series of gestures we established were the ancient women's daughters, and a row of plastic buckets filled with water. We proceeded to take it in turns to be pulled about, scrubbed down and made to lie on the floor and being splashed down with water of various temperatures from these buckets. I remember laying on the tiled floor, breasts in armpits, legs in the air, as I was being stretched out by one of the daughters in front of four very startled women who I'd only met that week, (laughs) wishing that the ground would swallow me up whole. (laughs) I don't know if it was my innate driftiness or being very, very British that meant I just did as I was told and didn't once (laughs) question what was happening. Maybe it was a mixture of the two. Needless to say, it was quite the bonding exercise for us all. Not that I recommend similar team building days. <laughs> the whole encounter only lasted about 20 minutes and cost what was probably the equivalent of £3.50. But three years later, I still remember it with a weird mixture of amusement and stomach-churning shame. <laughs> <laughs> and a very vivid picture painted at the end. There, yeah, so. yeah, very oh, much so. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> OK, this is from Paul in Leeds. I grew up in Lancashire and went to uni in Leeds while taking up a part-time job in a bank. At this bank, more often than not, two people would be sent for lunch breaks at a time. Lunches were one hour long, there was no TV, no radio and, if it was raining, nowhere to go. One day, not long after I moved to uni, I was on a lunch break with another cashier called Lizzie. During small talk, I found out that she was also a student and that she'd grown up in London. I'd never met anyone from London before. Not many Londoners come to Wigan. Up to that point, everyone who I'd met that had initially told me they were from London turned out to be from somewhere near London, like Reading or Tunbridge Wells. But Lizzie said that she was from actual London. My response to this was, wow, you grew up in London. Can I ask, is your snot black? Lizzie, (laughs) what? Me, it's just... I heard that there's so much pollution in London that if you live there for too long, then your snot turns black. Is your snot black? Lizzie, no, my snot is a normal colour. Well, I guess now I know. (laughs) Poor Paul. Is your snot black? Well... When I when I grew up in Essex, I grew mm. up on a dual carriage, on a yeah dual carriage road, mm. a sort of main J road, and I always had black bogies. Is that right? But yeah. now you live now. On, on the outskirts of London. <laughs> <laughs> now I live in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> Things are very different. It's not black. You're anymore. the only person who moved to the big city, <laughs> <laughs> and your snot got less black. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I say the nicer. big city. You know, <laughs> <laughs> was there one more? Yes, this is from Simon. 
When I was 15 years old, I lived in a small village in the middle of East Sussex where there was very little to do in the evenings. This meant that the local video store was often packed with locals looking to rent the latest titles. The store wasn't very big and probably had a maximum capacity of about 20 people. One rainy Saturday evening, myself and three friends decided we would rent a horror movie. We got to the video shop and found that because of the rain, it was particularly busy, making it difficult to browse. I recalled that I'd seen a horror movie a couple of years ago called Ghoulies and that a sequel had been recently released on video. I figured, as we were struggling to see what was on the shelves, I would just ask at the desk if they had it in stock. I joined the queue and slowly reached the front with three or four people now standing behind me. The owner of the shop asked if he could help and without thinking I said, Hi, I was just wondering if you had Ghoulies too. <laughs> the shop assistant looked at me with an awkward expression then replied i hope so at which point all of the customers in the store burst out laughing i left the shop leaving my friends behind I never returned to the shop and instead took two buses to the next nearest video store making it a two-hour round trip <laughs> I'll tell you what it is about that story that makes it so good. It's yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't mean, it? It's so great. And for me, in any story that ends in making huge detours oh, yeah, <laughs> involves yeah, several yeah, hours yeah, yeah. to avoid yeah. going to the thing that's on your doorstep, yeah. I very much enjoy it. Yeah, in fact, we should throw that out as a topic. Yes. Um, making a detour to avoid embarrassment, yeah, uh, yeah. as well as all the other stuff, just your failed social interactions, please. If you haven't yet emailed us, please do. As I've said before, sometimes people say to me, oh, but the email you read out is so good. Mine wouldn't be that good. It, it would, honestly. Just tell us the story. It's the stories that are the thing. Uh, so please send us an email. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. When you stop thinking, your mind begins to... Start loving Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Oh, touch it, touch it. Annabelle P. Mm. Uh, have yeah. you prepared a story? I have, yes. Are you all settled onto your sofa and ready to tell us a story? Well, actually, I'm, I'm sitting at the dining table. <laughs> Sorry oh, really? to, to ruin the image. Oh, I, I had you uh, had you all sort of like snuggled up, cat-like, on um... your sofa. No, I'm not as relaxed as that. No. Right. Well, as I said before, I'm sitting cross-legged on a on a bed mm-hmm. in only my underpants. I'm imagining it's quite a thin mattress as well. Am I right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Has it got quite a waxy kind of sheet on it as well? <laughs> yeah, and like a, right. a, a strange um, blanket across the bottom, oh, you know, yes, across yes. the bottom quarter of the bed, which acts as some kind of restraint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what yeah. You mean. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, my story. Yes, please. Okay, so it's about attaching human emotions to inanimate objects. Right. I don't know if there's anything that's more insane and also more normal than this. I think a lot of people have felt guilty throwing something away that was once much loved. Or people do stuff like if you drop a pea on the floor and then and then you put it in the bin and then you put another one in there to keep it company. Yes. This kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's nothing more insane, but nothing more normal. Yes. My last flat, I lived in for eight years. And in the last couple of years of that, my then boyfriend and I would talk about selling it because it was so tiny. 
But whenever we did, I would make him do it in hushed tones or whispers <laughs> as I felt terrible about the flat knowing, which is just silly. As you know, I really should have given it time to repair, get used to the idea. Imagine how shocked it felt when we just one day went with no warning. He probably said through tears to the neighbouring flat, I just had no idea it was coming. <laughs> It was when I was living in that flat that I used to go to that gym that I told you about before where the mm. automatic doors wouldn't ever open for me. And I would cycle there. And when I'd pull up to the cycle racks, I'd leave my bike next to one that I thought it would get on with. Like there was often <laughs> <laughs> there was often a big motorbike standing at the end and I'd never leave it next to that as I was worried that the motorbike would scare it. But it was like maybe an old-fashioned bike with a basket. I think, oh, she looks nice. They'll get on. I'll, I'll put my one next to that one. But I think my most difficult instance of this was one year just after Christmas. And it was a year when we'd had a real Christmas tree. And it wasn't a perfect tree. It was very bottom heavy. I think my boyfriend bought it as he felt sorry for it. You know, it was, it was a bit misshapen compared to other trees. We, we've either all that, done it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, either that or it was cheaper. I don't know. But I really <laughs> loved it, especially as we always had a fake tree when I was growing up. And it was a very obviously fake one in that it was silver. We, we, we didn't go in for classy Christmases at my house. My dad got so carried away one year that you couldn't see the ceiling. Like, actually couldn't see it. It was this endless crisscrosses of homemade paper chains and tinsel and lots of hanging foil things. <laughs> Although I should point out, we weren't one of those people that had the stuff on the outside of the house. Right, <laughs> just, right, right. just on the inside. He's got so, boundaries. Yeah, he has got boundaries. Yeah. Goodness. So a real trees, it still feels quite special to me. And I really love this bottom heavy, imperfect one. When it had to be taken down um, before 12th night, as it is, like otherwise you have to keep it up till you die, don't you? I think. That's right, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's around this time when um, I was walking home from my tube station after work. It's about nine o'clock at night. And about one street away from mine, I saw my tree just like lying in the street. I, I mean, I'd recognise it a mile off. It was de- <laughs> if I had better eyesight, that means I could see a mile away. I'd definitely recognise it a mile off. <laughs> so what had clearly happened was that my boyfriend, knowing that it was nearly 12th night, he'd taken the tree down and, and having little faith in our local council garden waste collection scheme, had decided to dump it in a street one street away from Mars, so it wasn't in our front garden for the next two months. So it's getting to the point, I'm walking towards it, it's getting to the point where you have to walk past my tree that's been dumped in the street. And I'm starting to feel terrible because, you know, as I said, I'd love this tree. We spent the whole Christmas together, apart from when I went away for a week, actually, over <laughs> actual Christmas. But apart from that, the whole Christmas trip together, like, I, was the, I was the only family it knew. So I feel really sad about seeing it in the street. But I'm also thinking, isn't what my boyfriend has done illegal, like fly tipping? So as I went past my tree, I had to blank it. I had to to walk past it and pretend I didn't know it while it lay there abandoned and all bottom heavy on these cold winter streets and watch me the only family had ever known I was probably like some kind of mother figure to it (laughs) had to watch me walk past like it had probably seen me coming and thought oh thank you (laughs) thank you there is a god she's come for me she's here she's almost here I'll I'll be in her arms she'll take me home she's here What? 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 Wait, what? She's she's walking past. She didn't even look at me. What did I do wrong? Why? Well, I walked past, like, eyes straight ahead, totally blanking it. I did find out later that it's not actually illegal. So after that, when I went past it, I'd give it a little stroke, which was over the two months it took the local council to pick it up. (laughs) So he was quite right. 
Oh, that was great. I also thought as I was listening to that, I bet some of our fellow drifters have stories about <laughs> I, I can never I can never say this word anthropomorphizing is is that yeah, right it is right and the yeah. reason why i didn't use that word is cuz i can't say yeah, it yeah <laughs> it's such a difficult one to say yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but ascribing human characteristics to inanimate objects um yeah if you've got any stories like annabelle's there then please do send it to us until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing which we don't obviously mm, it's quite apparent adrift it's that part of the podcast where if you are somebody who supports us on Patreon, you can bask in the glory. You can feel good about yourself. As we start hectoring your fellow <laughs> listeners for money, you can think, doesn't apply to me. I'm one nope. of the good ones. Yeah. Um, but it, it really helps us keep the podcast going. So if you are able to support us, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. Um, I've been having to think about Patreon again recently, and we're about due another video, aren't we, Annabelle? Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm sure we are. Yeah, you know, have you got any ideas? Well, here's the thing. I was thinking I quite enjoyed the last one where we did a and a from our listeners. Yeah, yeah. But the problem with doing that again is surely all the questions have been asked. Surely yeah, we've yeah. exhausted people yeah yeah we have, we've had we've had had some more um, patron subscribers since then who might have something to ask but they can sort of go back and find the old ones can't they uh, i mean i don't yeah. i don't quite know but i think they can mm. so i mean we'd, we'd like to do another video podcast but i think it's just we're going to need a certain amount of head scratching mm. to figure out what we should do on it but if you've got anything you would like us to do uh particularly no nothing no no dancing no dancing on my part i'm not much no, of a dancer me, me neither you're a great dancer i'm not i know i'm not a good dancer because my boyfriend recently told me that i was not a good dancer he's he's uh, messing with your head do you think he's negging me yeah i do think he's negging you yeah <laughs> right, i think okay. that's exactly what's going on okay. um there was one morning years ago uh, when we were doing a breakfast show and it was i can't remember but we've been doing it for a long time and getting up early was sucking the life out of us and there were all these other draining things going on at the same time and i think we were just all all ready to kind of give up on life mm. uh and then this one particular morning george harrison's <laughs> i got my mind set on you um <laughs> so it came up on the playlist and the second it started you <laughs> jumped out of your chair and danced to the whole thing in the studio which people might think oh surely that's what people are doing in radio studios while they're playing music you're just no. dancing around enjoying it no i mean you, no. you've generally got it turned down quite quiet and you're working away it's like being in a library a lot of the time but it was the most atypical thing but it <laughs> it did give us about another six months worth of energy that dance six i always think <laughs> that's what got us across the finish line wow wow yeah. i just really love that song yeah um it, it, it was fantastic dance thank you um but i, th I think it's maybe i'll do that for the video podcast <laughs> <laughs> well d do let us know if you have a suggestion um seriously because we're, we're out of ideas <laughs> so it seems <laughs> so it's over to you um so yeah you can email us about that the other thing I was going to mention as well, and I know since we started the podcast, we've been talking about this and we haven't really got anywhere with it and that hasn't changed. But um, 
in terms of a drift live show, I mm. have been doing a bit of messaging. Do you remember oh. I mentioned the the trades club in Hebden Bridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how fantastic it would be to do something there. But doing a bit of messaging with Mal, who runs that place, yeah. and um, initially he'd suggested doing something. I can't remember if it was January or December, but I was worried about getting snowed in. Oh, yes, um, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's now looking at something more sort of spring, early summer, which could be good, couldn't it? Okay, great. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Me and you, Hebden Bridge, get a few listeners yeah. there. Yeah. You know, the ones who aren't local can fill up some B&Bs. Maybe we'll get a musical turn on as well. How does that oh, sound? That sounds great. You should definitely yeah. do it, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, do, I do think... At this point, the listeners just sigh when they hear us <laughs> moot anything like this because they think it will never happen. But it seems a little like we're just sort of pushing it further and further into the future, really. I know, like, I know. Next but... summer just feels like a, like ten years away, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was that great piece of advice that I read in an interview, which was once never agree to do to any, never agree to do anything in the future that you wouldn't want to do tomorrow afternoon. That is the best advice ever. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I would want to do an Adrift live show tomorrow afternoon. Mm. Um, I wouldn't particularly want to do the admin that goes into it. Or, mm. the, you know, I wouldn't particularly want the anxiety of worrying or whether anybody would buy tickets. And, and yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the preparation. I mean, to be honest, if we were doing it tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow afternoon, I wouldn't be thinking about it till tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't, though. No. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, let's, let's see if we can't make that happen. Yeah. Computer sounds are awesome. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift. It's time for the incident, and I need to explain something. Now, because I am in Salford, twin city of Manchester, uh, I, I don't have the facility to ring somebody up and chat to them like I usually do on the incident. Right. Because I've just got like a little a box and a microphone, and there's no way of plugging my phone into it that I, that I know of. Yeah, um, yeah. So so what I did this week is I put the situation on Facebook and asked our drifters for the, for their advice and suggestions. Okay. So I just wanted to explain that at the outset. Mm-hmm. So so here's the story. So I've got a friend who has a 22-year-old son who's just moved to London. Right. And uh, a while ago I saw my friend and he suggested that we have his son round for Sunday lunch since he's new to town. And I say, say, really, do you think he'd want to do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, definitely. He really, really liked you and Sarah, and it'd be great for him to see Eugene. So, so I send him a text message. I write, hi, and then uh, the, the name is redacted at this point. I don't know, preserve okay. his anonymity. Okay. I continue, your dad said you'd like to pop around for Sunday lunch. How's the 7th of October? He replies, sounds great. Now, here's the thing. He replied 11 days after I sent the original message. Oh. By which time I'd already made other plans for the 7th of October. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. Right. So, so I explain this in a text message and I say, um, what, what about this date? And I suggest another date. So far, it's been eight days and he hasn't replied. He needs to sort out his life admin. This is not good. Well, what are the rules here? How am I... Well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to keep a provisional date free? Uh, How should I handle it? Has a similar thing happened to you? I find out in this week's The Incident. (laughs) 
This first one comes from Colin Anderton, who says, This is exactly how you'd want it to play out, Jeff. You've done your bit in attempting to set a date, but now you won't have to attempt to socially interact with a millennial because he's ignored you. Perfect result. <laughs> Colin makes a very good he really, point. He really it's like, does. It's your, it's your dream situation, really. It really is, with anything, really. I've done my bit, um, but I still don't have to interact. Uh, Kate says, yeah. Have you tried WhatsApp rather than text? I don't know why that's relevant, but that's the first thing I try maybe he doesn't use his texts well Um, I mean he does use his text he just you know he takes his time so he obviously looks at them at least sometimes but here's the thing I will never initiate a whatsapp conversation now you got annoyed with me when I used it once (laughs) (laughs) I had to send you a whatsapp message because my phone was broken so I sent it via my computer and you said why are you using whatsapp (laughs) It just annoys me. I was too old for it. <laughs> yeah, as I've said before, the name WhatsApp really annoys me. It, also, it is annoying. I think I'm quite sad that nobody's really added me to any WhatsApp groups. Oh, really? Apart from this one guy I know who, how can I describe this without giving too much away, just in case he's listening to it? So, so I know somebody who has set up a little business venture and part of the business venture is regularly sharing photos. Right. And he's set up a WhatsApp group to share these photos. Right. And I think there's only about six people in it. And I really, really want to mute this WhatsApp group. Yeah. But I'm worried, what if I bump into him and he asks me what I thought of one of the photos? So all weekend, these photos in which I have no interest are just pinging up on WhatsApp. Like, nothing good has ever happened to me on WhatsApp. I've only ever found it to be an annoyance. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, Mark says, he's obviously not bothered. He probably thinks his dad is meddling in his life and has no interest in dinner dates with his dad's friends. Um, (laughs) When did you put it like that? (laughs) He says, tell him a date and time. And when he knks on, don't answer the door. Oh, that's a bit harsh, yeah. I agree with you up to that point. Yeah. Nicholas says, post him a Marmite pizza or a voucher for one. Better still, post me the pizza. This is a reference to the fact that my local pizzeria, they call it cheese and Marmite garlic bread or cheese and Marmite bread, but, I mean, it is a pizza for all intents and purposes, and it is so good. It is one of those foods, though, that really I wish I didn't know it existed. Is it on your mind a lot? Yeah, yeah, it is. You get more done with your life. I I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Linda writes, that generation reply to messages they're interested in in 10 seconds. So leave it now. No more offers. This is all such wise stuff. I agree with all of this. Jasmine says, ring him up, old-fashioned style. A lucky dancer. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Who, who answers their phone? Please. Yeah. Ridiculous idea. Anna says, I have a 22-year-old daughter. I feel your pain. Oh. Uh, Joanne says, you need to Snapchat it. They respond within the hour. What? Wouldn't I need... You send s- messages. I thought it was just photos. I thought it was just dirty photos. I, 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 that's it. I don't want to, you know... I think it would be untoward to send him a picture of my genitals. And that's, <laughs> you have to... I've never used Snapchat, but my understanding is you have to include that for it to go through, don't you? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's very, very inappropriate. And uh, John Fink says, firm up a time and date 
and then tape up McDonald's gift card to the front door that day and spend <laughs> listen to this and spend the day at the gun range with your buddies. Gosh, you I know. You so well. Like John, so you've well. really got the measure of me there. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shoo, 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 shoo. A couple of things in no particular order, apropos of nothing, really. Um, mm-hmm. So I was walking around uh, my neighbourhood the other day, as I do a lot, and there's a, a taxi firm that I've passed loads of times called Ken's Cars. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the other day it is no longer called Ken's Cars. Oh. It's called Ken and Gemma's Cars. No, what's going on there? Well, here's what I think has happened. I think Gemma is... Ken's wife or girlfriend, mm. and he's done something so bad <laughs> that he said, Gemma, I'll make it up to you. What can I do? What if I put your name above the door of the taxi firm? Then yeah. will you believe me I've changed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we all want to know what yeah, he's done. That, yeah, that's yeah. the plausible explanation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the other one is a story which you, you are very much in the story as a peripheral character. Oh, right. So uh, let me think how to tell this. So we have friends, Craig and Becky, who very recently have had a baby son. Oh, they had their son, lovely. Yeah, yeah, they have, yeah. Um, so he came along a couple of weeks ago, and we have in our possession a huge bag of clothes and baby paraphernalia from when Jean was born. Mm-hmm. Now, this bag has been passed on to you, yeah. Around the time Rudy was born. Yeah. And it subsequently made its way back to back to us. Yeah. So that's the only way you're involved in the story, but you can you can vouch that this bag of stuff exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Sarah sort of offloads all this stuff onto Becky. And um a few days later, she um she gets a text message which reads Oh, I should should explain, in amongst all this stuff is a bag. And and it's it's a bag that when Jean was born, I think we very briefly used it for things like nappies and changing mat, but for whatever reason, it didn't work for us. So after a couple of weeks, we stopped using it. I don't know right. if you... Did you ever use it? I don't think so, no. Right, I don't, right. I'm not even... I don't remember it very well. Right, right. Yeah. So, so Sarah gets this text message and it reads, uh, I think there's something in this bag that isn't meant for us. Oh, thinking what the hell is it yeah and then becky sends a photograph yeah of a tiny pot containing a urine sample (gasps) (laughs) what so so i mean sarah wanted to get it tested to see whether it's hers or mine but i think there is no question that it's hers and the only thing i can think of in those first couple of weeks 
after Jean was born, she was a bit poorly and got an infection. And at some point she must have had to take a urine sample to the hospital <gasps> and not given it in or forgotten or something. Oh. And it has sat there for two and a half years. Well, you know what that means? That has been in my house then for over a year. I've had your wife's urine in my house. I know. Over a, I, just, I never looked in that bag. I'm gutted. <laughs> Do you know what I've done with it? What? I've put it with all the jars of my own urine that I keep. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hi. It's a show and it's also a demeanor. Time now for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic. Not in Problematic because I'm not in my attic. Once again, I'm on location in Salford in the Travel Tavern. And Annabelle is um, sitting upright at a dining table. Yeah. Have you got any food in front of you? No, just a glass of water. What did you have for your tea? Um, I had spaghetti. Ah, spaghetti. Mm. Do you have any sauce on it? Yes, yeah, yeah, so it was tomato, spicy tomato and mozzarella. That's it, it's a good sauce. It could have been alio olio. I like a nice yeah. alio olio every could now and again. Um, so, uh, yeah, you need to, on, on this part of the podcast, uh, you need to send us a situation that you found yourself in or regularly find yourself in, but you don't know what the behaviour is, and we will tell you the rules. Okay, so... The first one, I we may this may have been touched on before, but I'm including it because something happened to my boyfriend at the weekend, which means that I can definitively answer this quandary. Okay. Okay. So Gemma Bilton says for quandary corner, Eileen Bilton. <laughs> Gemma Bilton. Right. Right. <laughs> for quandary corner, I would like to know how do you extract yourself from a conversation. I often find myself in situations where either I need to get on with things or all small talk has been used up and I want to leave, but I never know what to say as a conversation ender. So I can then carry on with whatever I'm doing. For example, chat, chat, chat. Oh, that's good. I hope it goes well. So yeah, anyway, starts wandering off. I need a conversation ender so I'm not standing saying so repeatedly. And also so I can get away from people when I need to get on with things. Please help. Well, okay, anything, anything you want to add first? Well, I've told this story before, but one of the most extraordinary things that ever happened to me, I went to somebody's 60th birthday party and I was a bit out of my depth. It was in a posh place. It wasn't full of people like me. It was full of businessmen. Uh, this, this acquaintance of mine who turned 60 introduced me to this businessman and the three of us stood talking for a while. At some point, the birthday boy left us and this guy just said to me, Jeff, it was nice talking to you, and shook my hand. And then he just turned his back on me and stood facing the wall. <laughs> That's the most incredible thing I know, in the world. I know, I know. <laughs> OK, so this is what happened to Tom, and it's, this is far less audacious, so yeah. therefore I think it could be workable. So he was um, in a pub, and he was with um, a couple of friends, and they'd gone to the bar, and he was stuck talking with a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> And, and it was the worst possible, worst possible situation in that it was a one-on-one. Now, a one-on-one with a friend of a friend of a friend is not good. So no. they're basically just having some small talk, which went on for a bit while he's waiting for his friends to get back. And at one point in this small talk conversation, the girl went, I'm really sorry to do this to you because I know this means I'm going to be leaving your own, but I'm absolutely desperate to go to the toilet. So do you mind if I go? And Tom's like, no, 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 go. She's like, sorry, I would never normally just leave someone on their own. You're going to be sitting on your own. She made a big deal about how desperate she was, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, just go, just go. So she goes, he watches her walk off. She walks off maybe three metres, joins another group and just carries on talking. (laughs) And Tom like thought, well, I'm going to see what happens. He did not go to the toilet again for at least another hour. 
Oh, that's good. I've told so you. To- that, that should, this is the answer then, isn't it? Just say you're desperate and then just go off and do what you want. Well, that's 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 the classic, isn't it? Pretending that you need the toilet. But I always yeah, yeah. then have to go through the whole yes. charade. <laughs> the competence of thinking, yeah. of doing that, but, but thinking, actually, I'm not going to bother pretending. <laughs> so there's... Um, I've told you this story before. I've got a friend called Carl who is the funniest person I've ever met. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. And um, he, he works in comedy. Mm-hmm. And he was invited to a party at the BBC uh, of all the sort of comedy people they were working with at the time. And, and one of the people who was at this party was this American guy who had come over here and was working on sitcoms. And he was basically dining out on the fact that he was one of the people behind the the greatest sitcom of all, Seinfeld. Wow. Okay. But but my friend Carl is this comedy nerd, and he knows that this guy's name only cropped up on two or three episodes as some kind of co-producer or something. Oh, right. Okay. But you know he's co- he's come over here to the UK where people don't know, and he's, he's sort of basically almost claiming it was his idea. Mm-hmm. So Carl, Carl uh, has a few drinks at this party and he goes up to this guy and he says, um, oh, yeah, I've got something to ask you. You know, you're going around telling everybody that you uh, were one of the people behind Seinfeld. I've only seen your name on a couple of episodes in the credits as a co-producer. What's, what's, um, what actually went on then? And this guy goes, uh, oh, excuse me, um, I, I just need a piss. I'll talk to you in a minute. He then walks off and Carl watches him and he just goes over to somebody else and starts talking. So Carl follows him and gets right in, <laughs> he gets right in his face and says, what about this piss then? <laughs> That's what Tom should have done. It's really great, isn't it? <laughs> what about this piss then? <laughs> so, so maybe this shouldn't be the rule that you should do that with yeah. someone yeah, because that's the answer to it. Yeah. Um, um, we, we can't answer this quandary. No, we? no, no. Uh, what's, uh, what's the other one? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Yeah. Dear Glap Clinic, my name is Shoshana. This is oh, disguised. Oh, God. <laughs> How right. did you know just, just keep going. Just keep going. Okay. This is disguised to prevent the identity of anyone, sorry, protect the identity of anyone mentioned in my dilemma. I am a psychotherapist in the United States of America. <laughs> Please note that I am not a fan of the president and I am a strong supporter of gun control. Thank you for that. Okay, so on to my issue. About seven years ago, I met a man who was friends with a long-standing psychotherapy client of mine. He discovered that I was the therapist for this person because we were both attending the same funeral. He asked the client how she knew me. She was straightforward and volunteered that I am her therapist. I never knew about this interaction between them until about a year later. Fast forward a year and this person and I become sort of related by marriage. By that I mean, stop it, by that I mean a close relative of mine weds a close relative of his. This puts us in contact regularly for family functions. Whenever I see this man, he repeatedly asks me the following. Hey Shoshana, how is, insert full name of client, doing? Do you meet with her often? What's going on with her? (laughs) These questions are always asked of me in public and the client's full name is used. I assume it's an attempt to be funny. It is not funny to me. I become extremely awkward and uncomfortable. At first, I smile and say with humour, you know I can't divulge this information. Nevertheless, he persists. 
These interactions go on for six years, every 4th of July, (laughs) Thanksgivings, birthdays, holidays, whenever there's a crowd of celebrants. I become not only awkward, but also angry, but I do not display my anger. (laughs) This this year, at a kids' party, I finally said, without a smile and with a firm voice, I cannot talk about this. It would be unethical and illegal for me to do so. Please stop asking me about this. Fast forward to a recent holiday dinner. I'm seated next to him at a table of 10 people. He says, hey, Shoshana, how's Neymar Klein doing? She really needs your help. (laughs) I have about had it. I am not one to typically hold in my feelings. Please note, I'm American, not British. I turn to face him and with definite firmness, very obvious irritation and a somewhat raised voice say the following. I have asked you many, many times to stop asking me about her. I cannot and will not talk about her. Please never question me like this again. It is not funny and I do not like it. Dead silence at the table for about a full, awkward and tense minute and a half. It felt interminable until one of his young adult kids says to me, Shoshana, I didn't know you saw Becky's mother. (laughs) I say not a word, more awkward tension. And the man looks at me and says, I had dinner with, insert the name of a couple that I seen. It came up that you're their therapist. (laughs) Is one of them cheating? (laughs) My question to you. Do I owe anyone an apology? If you say I do, I will apologise. Oh, the power. Should I apologise to the hostess more profusely than I already have for creating tension at her table? I felt right about my feelings, but unsure about my delivery. If this happens again, should I walk away? Please guide me. How do I proceed in the future should this situation again rise? Which it will. (laughs) Oh, she says, I have no doubt that it will. (laughs) Yours truly, Shoshana. Well, I'll tell you what I think you should do. Hmm. You should nut him. Nut him? Do you think Shoshana will know what that means? To to headbutt somebody in the the face. Wow, you think that's appropriate? No, I don't think that's appropriate. Um, but, But what I do think is on this occasion... Shoshana is in the right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question about it, is there? No, none. And if if anybody should be feeling bad for the awkward silence, it should be this this gentleman for pushing it too far. Yeah. I'm somebody who sometimes pushes things too far. And, you know, I understand what his impulse is, because sometimes <laughs> if somebody says, oh, you're going too far with this joke or you, can you leave it now? Mm. It, I don't like being told what to do. And I will no. sometimes like keep keep pushing it even further. So that's probably what's going on there. I, I, think, isn't I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. But um, here's, here's what I would do if I was you, Shoshana. I would start telling everyone around town that he was one of your clients mm. and make up some various psychological ailments and see how long it takes for it to get back to him. <laughs> so that he's got narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. Or some like really, really weird, creepy quirks that he can't get rid of. Yes, yeah, like, like some really, really... sexual fetish. Yeah, something really disgusting. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, then maybe that's not so ethical either. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. I think it's not ethical to divulge details about your actual clients <laughs> i think it's fine to make up stuff about people who aren't your clients oh, okay because well, you're not I... betraying any confidence are you no well then that's what she should do then okay that problem solved I mean, do you have the power to you know alert the authorities and have somebody put on some kind of register <laughs> i think we're taking it a little bit too far now <laughs> it's not that annoying what, what would you do 
Um, I would just, um, I would, whenever he spoke to me, I'd just pretend that I couldn't hear. Feign deafness. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're American, you can almost imagine a situation where she would say slowly and calmly, um, that hurts my feelings, but... <laughs> You know, we, we, we couldn't do that. It's, it's difficult for us to really mm. to empathise with somebody who is so free uh, with being being able to share their feelings, isn't it? And he doesn't, he doesn't, this guy, he doesn't like being told not to do it. That is what's making him do it. Yes, yes. So you, can't, yeah. you can't not tell him, you just have to ignore him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, if you have a situation that you would like to know the rules for in Quandary Corner, then you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Uh, live from Salford and the outskirts of London, Snaresbrook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we should thank Man and the Echo for the backing music and Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And thank you to you this week for your advice on the incident. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork. And Carla Cowlett took the photos. Uh, as we said before, we'd love to hear from you. I think, think you're really onto something, Annabelle, with um, questions about um, detours to avoid awkward situations. I would love to hear more of that. Yeah, and also um, ascribing human characteristics to inanimate objects or anthropomorphizing. I can't believe I said that twice correctly. Well done. Well, I know I said it very slowly and deliberately, but even, <laughs> even so. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And if you do have a bit of money, and we're, we're only talking pocket money here, uh, a few pence rattling around in your pocket, Uh, that you could contribute to us on Patreon. It helps us keep the podcast going. We appreciate it enormously. Annabelle, you you wouldn't be sitting at that dining table if it wasn't for the Patreon money, would you? No, I'd be lying in a gutter. Yeah, I mean, you could have the dining table with you in the gutter, to be fair. You just wouldn't have a roof over your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would take it with me. Yes, yeah. Um, So please, uh, support the podcast, patreon.com, stroke adrift. And finally, Annabelle, do you have anything you wish to say to that Christmas tree. Maybe it's still out there somewhere, shed of all its needles, just withering away. Maybe it's just a stick now. What what do you want to say to it? Mummy still loves you. It's probably been incinerated, to be honest. (laughs) Stop it. Adrift. Adrift. On to the podications. This comes from Dave Knight, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, hello from New Zealand. Hello. Hello. My wife and I have listened to Jeff since the heady days on Virgin Radio with Pete. We're enjoying the Adrift podcast with Annabelle. My wife has kept me awake laughing out loud as she read your book, Annabelle. 
Oh, yeah, sorry, I left that in, like, in the hope I'd get a few more sales, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He says it now sits on my bedside waiting to be read. Oh, good, good. The good thing couples could do is buy one each and and read at the same time and, you know, compare notes. And then talk about it, like, in bed at night, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave continues, we made the move back to my wife's hometown of Napier nine years ago when she was seven months pregnant with our first child, Ben, eight. And now... Hang on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that adds up. Sorry, I, I thought it was um, seven years, nine months pregnant. I was doing the maths there thinking, hang on, something's off here. But it isn't. You're quite right. You know better than I do, Dave, about your own situation. Um, pregnant with our first child, Ben, eight. And we now have a daughter, Sophie, six, who are both drifters as well. Isn't oh, that lovely? lovely. you got Ben and Sophie in New Zealand. I'd love to go to New Zealand. Yes, they would die. I, f- I really feel like... I would connect with it. Like we went to Australia a couple of times with the radio show and, and, and we, uh, you know, enjoyed the experience, but I, I don't think, you know, my soul belongs in Australia, but I think may, maybe New Zealand. You're not very outdoorsy though. No, I'm very indoorsy, but I'd like yeah. to be indoors looking at one of those beautiful views. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'm largely basing it on Flight of the Concords <laughs> as well, to be honest. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary a few weeks ago, and it is my fantastic wife Sarah's birthday this Saturday, the 6th of October, which was actually Saturday just gone. Yep. Sorry about that. Did you let Dave know? I think he didn't, yeah, he didn't arrive in time. It wasn't you know, Got it. a little bit morning. Uh, please let her know that she is the best thing to happen to me, and I would follow her to the ends of the earth. Well, New Zealand is pretty close. Yeah, I mean, if, if she sort of lost the plot a bit and wanted to go and live on Antarctica. Mm. Would you follow her there? He wouldn't. I mean, no electricity. No way. You know, no, no, habit, no habitation. But, you know, I, th- I think New Zealand is pretty close. You're quite right. So happy, happy birthday, Sarah. That's, that's great. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. And I loved hearing about Ben and Sophie too. And this comes from Sean Adams, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. I'd like to request a triple crown of podications as close to the 7th of October as possible, please. Well, we're we're just a couple of days late, so here goes. Um, Firstly, I'd like to podicate to my sister Victoria and brother-in-law Jack, who are expecting their first child on the 1st of October. I suppose extending my podication to my unborn, unnamed, although nicknamed Pip, because she was once the size of a Pip niece. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, have we ever had a podication for a tiny embryo before? Oh, I'm sure we have. We've yeah. definitely had podications, you know, ready for when they pop out. Mm-hmm. But there's no suggestion oh. from Sean that this isn't for, for Pip now. Okay. So, um, Sean adds, the second podication is for myself, as on the 7th it's my birthday. And if you can't indulge yourself with a podication <laughs> on your birthday, when can you? Yeah. And finally, on the 12th, if everything goes to plan, my girl friend, my girl, hey, my girl, uh, sorry, that was me, not not sure. My girlfriend and I will complete on our new home. So a podication to Kirsty and our exciting new adventure would be grand. He says, thanks for the podcast. It keeps me sane on my long commute between Oxfordshire and Devon. Wow, that is, a, that is a commute, isn't it? It's huge. Uh, it's opened my eyes and ears to the world of podcasts. And as they say, you never forget your first. You know, I, I think there's a bit of a backhanded compliment going on there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying, 
you know, I didn't know any better when I started listening to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard much better ones now, yeah, but yeah. out of loyalty, here I am. And, and we appreciate that, Sean. You're right there. Yeah. I just, just heard a bit of deep breathing in my headphones. I don't know if they're haunted. <laughs> I'm, I'm possessed. So, so uh, yeah. there we go. Uh, so let's rattle through these again. So there was Sarah. Uh, from Dave Knight, celebrating their wedding anniversary, 10th wedding anniversary, and Sarah's birthday, with a little tip of the hat to Ben and Sophie. And then Victoria and Jack, expecting their first child. And then uh, there was the unborn, unnamed niece, Pip. And then there was Sean's birthday, and uh, and, and Kirsty and the new home. And I think that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, well done, yeah. Oh, but... Well, we're, we're, that that seemed to go relatively glitch-free, didn't it? Yeah, but you haven't, you know, edited it yet. Put it no, together, like no, found no. out that there's terrible sound problems. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Um, and we will be back in my attic next week. All being well, and if you would like a podcast, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast dot com. Over and out. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.